0: Welcome back, everybody. Episode 2, The Illusion of Fame. Let me give you an example about what I just said, the illusion of fame, starting with the Van Gogh letters and the preservation of his art by his brother's Theo's wife, Johanna Van Gogh-Banger, known as the woman who made Vincent Van Gogh famous. If she had never saved the letters of the correspondence that uh, her brother and Vincent had... I don't think we would ever heard of Vincent Van Gogh, whoever he was, without that storytelling between his answers to his brother's patronage for his creativity in Paris, also in France. Uh, Vincent was uh, anti-hero of sorts. He was so, so far beyond his time. He only sold one painting to an artist from an exhibition and nobody really knew what to do about his modern creative expressiveness till this day a lot of artists emulate but it was very very important that Johanna Van Gogh Banger did that legacy and actually preserve that communication between the brothers. Well, actually, Vincent's replies, he managed to save those and his paintings and made him a legend as we know it today, because in 1973, he was the first artist to ever sell a painting. One of the Sunfall paintings for over $70 million that was unheard of at that time. And it started this market craze of what we know as the mega-artists that are, you know, fueled by the estates, um, Pablo Picasso, uh, P- R- Brock, um, I mean a whole sleuth of others that actually made it in this field, but this illusion of fame was created by this. The art market was never like that um, post-Van um, Gogh. I mean, we're, we're living in a post-Van Gogh society as far as modern um, finances and modern art is, but at the same time, without um, bongers efforts and preservation, we would not have this illusion of fame everybody sets out for it and do. Even I, as an artist, would love to see if my work ever survived this cataclysm of life or events that the world can be. Um, even if we survive and advance as a society or get completely decimated and all of this stuff that I talk about is oblivion. Who knows? But I I give it to uh, Johanna van Gogh-Banger for preserving Vincent van Gogh's legacy and his talent because those letters were so detailed about his procedure, his art-making, his mental um, challenges. Even um, he had a brief stay with, uh, with the famous artist Paul Gauguin. Paul Gauguin stayed with him. And oh man, it was unheard of. Was, that union of those two artists in the south of France was infamous. Infamous in many words because they fought all the time. Um, Van Gogh and God, um, these, these dudes were just added even to the point where they fought over a prostitute and it led to the famous cutting off of his ear of Vincent Van Gogh. And it's just crazy how these masters of art at the time didn't know they were that famous. You know, it's just amazing. Imagine now um, if we survive as artists 100 years later or even more after I die or whatever, and the stories that are left behind. And if this digital copy that I'm talking about manages to survive the test of time, it's a testament to my creativity, not only that I put the work on the walls and actually had work in private collections, but there's also a story behind it, and this is the story. I, I, I sincerely thank uh, Johanna Van Gogh, Theo's wife, that's um, Vincent Van Gogh's brother, to preserve those letters and to actually give a staple and a preservation of a period of time that would never happen again. My name is Juan Gomez, and everything that uh, Johanna Van Gogh-Banger did for creating Vincent's Legacy is an actual important fact of preserving art. I, myself, as an artist... I grew up in humble beginnings. I was very fortunate to have uh, two parents living, privileged living. Um, As a child, uh, both my parents, me and my brother, were very creative individuals. We would just draw, draw, and draw, and draw. And sometimes, as children, we would be go out. You know, we would go out to the block and mingle with the kids over there. But our parents encouraged us to stay home and they bribed us with art supplies and bought us tables and they didn't really want us out there because of the activities of the neighborhood in the early 80s it was pretty bad out there but uh, they knew that but they kind of they sheltered us in a way where the creativity became answers to all the questions and the boredom you know as a child you just want to be everywhere just energy is just um fragrant it's just abundant And I'm ever grateful for their endeavors and their sacrifices to make us who we are today. I'm the only one from the initial family to actually graduate college. I didn't necessarily get a degree, but I'm still living with them too. I was fortunate that I was able to do my art practice as a young adult and also... Not have the weight of the world on my shoulders that I do have now because of my loving parents. They they enabled me to become this artist I am today. I am ever grateful. And whoever's out there young listening to this, listen to this. If you're living with your parents, you better take advantage of it. Because when you leave that nest, everything changes. Everything changes, your your dynamic, the way you do things, the way you, your time is just not yours anymore. You're just going to have to filter time and figure out how to make things work for you and establish something to preserve your creative practice. It's a hard life, man. It's very hard. And, you know, I, I have a job right now as we speak. I'm, I'm in my 50s. It's not the best job, but that job allows me to do these sorts of things. There that was a very hard thing to do. It took me a couple of decades to actually land a job where there's no pressure and something that won't impede my creativity, but life has a way of showing that. I gotta tell you, um as a young man I was very fortunate to agree you know, to achieve some type of um, attention. I was so sick and tired of school, I remember. And I was working, I left my job. I was I was actually working in McDonald's at the time in, in the early 90s. And I said to myself, why am I working when I can't do my own artwork? And I said, you know what, let me take, I, I took, I literally took a risk and said to myself, I need to do these things in order to achieve and what i did was i freed up my time and this was my last year in school and i made a conscious decision and said to myself wow let me let me just see where this goes i was and i actually knew that my parents were there to support me and i had their love and their and their you know and their support to actually help me do this I was eight, I was in my 20s, I in my, my early 20s, you know, I had no idea what was out there, but that decision I made leaving work and just doing art full time what, is what enabled me to actually, you know, I had a lot of people in school at that time telling me, you should compete, you should compete, you should do the crushing, you should compete, you should compete. And I, or or compete for a scholarship. You know, I was really reluctant to that. I was just sick and tired of working so much at that time. And I said, you know what? Let me let me do something impossible. And what I did was I competed for the William Elman Crescent Memorial Traveling Scholarship. Crescent Scholar back then was like the Oscars, at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, which is known the acronym PAFa, right now. I did the application late i submitted it and one afternoon you know i was in my studio working going home whatever it was I was i doing i received a phone call from the administration said um are you okay and i'm like what are you talking about and this lady uh she told me do you know you won the award and i screamed to the top of my lungs. i said wow really me this twenty-something-year-old uh, kid living in Camden at the time with my folks, little old me. Once you know it, a week later I get. Um, I'm in the bullet. Uh, I'm on the newspaper. I get a huge spread talking about how I, you know, how I took my creative talents and and won this crazy award. I was like, whoa! Photographers are taking pictures, and I'd never had that kind of attention in my life. Of that magnitude. Um, In high school, I had some type of attention that way. I was in television. I won awards. Me and my brother, we did really well in high school. But when it came to the big leagues, that was a whole other monster. And I was like, whoa, really? I can do that? And on top of that, I I had the honor of having a wall of my artwork for the and I sold almost everything on that wall. I was shocked. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Who who want these pieces? You know, that was my beginnings of this so-called illusion of fame that was First sight, I was like, I was shocked. I'll say, is this what art does? Is this what art can do? You know, this is the 90s, people. This is before the internet. This is before any of this digital media came out. You know, um, it it was an exciting time for me. I've known people who have won this particular award. I was also privileged to know the artist Ellen Powell Tiburino. I know the Tiburino family for many years. You know, At that time, that was the place to go. I, I went to parties and everything. But for me, the party was Ellen Tiburino. She was bedridden. Um, she was um, battling cancer. No, she was battling the effects of cancer. When I won the award, I had a wonderful conversation with her, and she understood the pressure. She she told me she won the same award in the 50s. She was one of the first African American women to actually win the Crescent Award at that time and when they traveled um, to Europe at the time they, they, they traveled by boat yeah, but when I went, I was by plane, obviously. But anyway, she, I was there talking to her. I was this young child. I was like, "Wow!" And she said, "I understand what you're going through. I never made a big deal of it, but she she understand the um what the emotions and 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 she she actually gave me a lot of wonderful um dialogue on how to handle this pressure of this." type of attention that I've never had in my life as a young man wow I I gotta tell you um I I credit my parents for enabling me to achieve that pinnacle that little pinnacle I had in my life at that time which is which was in 1991 man those were the days now college life is over my parents sold their home in 2003 and I got to really get to see life over. What it was paying bills, um, taking care of me, washing my clothes, buying my food. I've never done such things because when I lived with my parents, they did most of the stuff. I did help them. I was responsible. I had a job, um, <clears throat> but that, that little illusion of fame still lingered it's it's real even till this day but not so much so as I get older Um, what's more important to me is the creative um, process and the integrity of the work than the actual uh, money money is good I would like to make a living somehow hopefully in the future just to stay away from the structure of work but if I have to work I have no other choice because without working I, I, I can't produce any of this stuff as we all know, um, <clears throat> and you know, it, it's like when when I got a taste of life and I, I lived alone. I didn't have I didn't even have a driver's license. I didn't get that till much much later in life, and driving was one of the best things to happen to me later on. But that's that's another story. Anyway, um, I, I I have a humble job. I'm I'm a practicing artist as much as I can. I deal with. I don't know, middle-age crisis. Um, I recently lost my father in 2022 in December. And it really affects how I think as a creative mind, but it doesn't change who I am as a person. I gotta say, it's it's a very, very, very tough life because of the decisions I made. I could have had a lot of success if I had listened to... A lot of individuals in the 1990s, when they were in power opening up doors for me, even even in the employment end of it, but I was just stubborn. I didn't really listen to these folks that are saying, hey, kid, we got a door open to you. Go in it. I never knew how to do that. I was always afraid of actually taking these risks where if I can go back in time, I would take those risks and maybe things will be worse or better. I have no idea. But I just know one thing in life. You must take risks, even even to travel. I mean, recently in June, I went to Puerto Rico, and it was a risky financial thing. I did it because um, a friend of mine, she was just so gracious to um, take the brunt of it, and all I had to do was three things, and I did those three things. And that is a very important thing because a video came out of it, and the way I express my life to talk to people and to present um, the way things are is very, very, very important. the The illusion of fame is real. I consider myself famous because I'm not Van Gogh slicing his ear off, depressed, painting every day with this fiery passion, and have you know he died pretty young. I outlived him. Wow and you know i've I've sold pieces of artwork since the age of fourteen i was I was shocked you know I sold work even before I went to college. I sold work in college I sold work out of college. I had the professional exhibition I did the commissions you know I was very fortunate to have a track record as an artist I mean online, I have a decent presence you know I might be outdated on my website, but you know, there there are a lot of things that I have to um, change, even in my personal life. It's, it's it's not hard. You know, I am not alone, but yet again, this journey is still alone because um, in my family, they 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 practice a religion that I do not agree with. So they're very polite with me, but I'm brushed to the side. But I accept that. That's part of this suffering or whatever it is to becoming a, a artist per se this is definitely um a good conversation of the illusion of fame you know if you can do it yeah hell with it do it don't listen to me don't listen to anybody else just go out there and jump into the water feel how it feels and you know you're gonna fall and you're gonna fall you're gonna fall you're gonna fall until that one day you're just gonna fall off and and you know off into the sky, and become that person you're supposed to be. I gotta say, I am that person, and I am proud to be that person. I still have a long way to go. Even in my middle age, I still have a long way to go. But hell, there's nothing stopping me at all. Life has its challenges. Even now, you know, I am a difficult person. I can be an asshole, yes, I say it. I can be a prick. But I don't mean to hurt anyone. I'm not here to serve anyone either you know i'm i'm the person that's i'm i'm quite i'm quite a bit of a narcissist in a way when it comes to creativity and life can throw you some personalities which i have some very good people but at the same time it it could suck the energy out of you like like a vampire with blood okay but um, this is a sample of an illusion of fame Famous is not what you think it is. If you're doing something innovative now, and if you are creating now, that is your fame right there, what you just created. Whoever perceives it, whoever has the privilege to actually take that fame with them home, they're lucky. It's not the lottery. It's a conversation between the individual and the, And the piece that was created by the artist or artists, whatever it can be, to express individuality and that marriage between the collector and the image. I say it again, the collector and the image. But what's important is we need those people who appreciate what our creativity is to sustain ourselves. As creatives, it's hard out there. It's hard out there. I don't have to tell you twice. Anyone that's out there knows younger or old, whatever. But I got to tell you, we need you. We're not living in the time where the Medici's created market of art. But we need the patrons out there. We need you to come out to these art shows and say, hey, we exist. But then again... I will say it. We're living in the illusion of fame, people. But the beautiful thing about this is that I have this technology which I bought for dirt cheap and put this together and learned how to edit visually. I have a YouTube channel that I've been working on for the past seven years that taught me, say, hey, wow, it's about time that I do a podcast because this is necessary to preach the word that is going to be effective to get my creative thoughts out there to many that have the same issues or different issues, whatever it is. But we're in the same mix, people. If you're an artist, we're always, we're always, always put on the side or not taken seriously. But in reality, we got to take ourselves seriously to be taken seriously, Okay, folks, thank you for listening. Until the next show, this is a great time to actually understand the illusion of fame. I mean, seriously, the illusion of fame. Until the next show, thank you for listening. Have a great day, night, or wherever you are. Bye-bye.